Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It's an exciting world we live in. It's full of pain and suffering, little joy, uh, yet, and I said this many times in recent weeks, better than the news we had to report on during Trump's four years. Uh, things are bad, things are worse in certain regards as, as concerns the Ukraine, for example, but this is the way things are. This is real news. Things happen this way in life, everything that is happening right now. Trust, trust Trump was an abomination, not normal. Okay, now tonight, uh, we're going to be all over the place because that's what the news is today. We're going to visit Washington, D.C., Miami, Panama City, Florida, Hollywood, Key West, Russia, the Ukraine, Bronx, New York, Bloomingdale, Indiana, and Virginia. What a mixture. Okay, let's begin with something that hit the news today, tonight, in fact. And it has to do with January 6th, uh, what occurred at the Capitol. And certain records, uh, telephone records, text records, email records that were not kept. Recall when Richard Nixon was president. Uh, There were no laws at that time about retaining records of any uh, conversations or telephone conferences. Uh, But he had in his drawer a recording machine, and if you went in and sat with the president, your conversation with him was recorded, though you did not know it. Now, Cub comes Watergate, and somehow it gets out that Nixon taped everything in his office. And a court order was obtained saying you got to turn all these tapes over to um, the investigators in the case, who at the time it was the Justice Department, I believe. In any event, uh, he did turn them over after a long court battle. But when they were reviewed, translated, transcribed, came up that eight. 18 minutes were missing of the tape, 18 minutes. And those 18 minutes concerned conversations with key players in Watergate and was dis- would have been, if the tapes were available, destructive to Nixon and those people who spoke with him for that 17 minutes. Uh, they never found it. His secretary it was a nice little woman, old woman with white hair, said she was transcribing and her foot must have slipped off the pedal for 18 minutes and that's why uh, the tapes were not transcribed and there was no way of recovering what was on them. Now, laws were passed thereafter uh, about telephone recordings. We got computers, text messages, emails over the years. Now it's a matter of law. Things like telephone calls, emails, etc., must be kept, retained as a matter of law. And they go, and eventually they'll end up in the National Archives or someplace else, because everything a president does, everything a president says, must be recorded. And I think it's a proper way to do business. Uh, turns out that Trump doesn't like this process. Uh, if you recall, there's been news over the last couple of months 
that he was in the habit of ripping up letters, copies of letters that would have gone into the file, emails that he had transcribed, email destroyed, the, the transcript destroyed, and he would flush them down the toilet in his office, his private toilet, up the Oval Office. And he was very upset. And he also did this with the toilet upstairs in his private quarters. He was very upset. And he also did this, by the way, at Mar-a-Lago with the toilet down at Mar-a-Lago because the toilets didn't flush well. Recall a couple of times back then he said on television, you know, there's something wrong with our toilet system in this country. Uh, either they're not getting enough water or the power or pressure isn't there because nothing seems to flush right. Well, what he was flushing was tons of ripped up papers. Okay? So we know, we know. Trump had the propensity, the desire, the aim to destroy the written word because he knew that down the road it could be used against him, perhaps. Now comes January 6th, that horrible day. He made the speech early in the morning, told everybody, thousands of people, protesters, demonstrators, follow me, you know, I'm going to be in the front. We're going down to the Capitol now. Of course, being the coward he is, he never went to the Capitol. He went uh, to a room off his office in uh, the White House. Uh, to watch on television what was happening. But all those people went. Now, he's in that room, off his office. It was like a, a, a private dining room or something. And he has, you know, his team, his guys, who would be always with him, people coming in and out, people calling about this, elected officials, unelected officials, uh, he initiating calls, text messages, everything's going on. Well, now we got an investigation going, the January 6th committee, and they want to see those records, and they're entitled to them. They're all in order with the National Archives, and I don't know where else they go. And no one's got the records, okay, for a particular period of time. Listen to me. Nixon was 18 minutes. Trump was 7 hours and 37 minutes. Everything's missing. Seven hours, 37 minutes to be exact. That's the gap. From 11.57 in the morning till 6.54 in the evening. Zip. Nothing. They were gone. Okay? Now, this is part of the president's official diary. And even the White House switchboard has call logs. But none of these things are available. They all got taken and destroyed or hidden someplace. Who knows, okay? But they're required to be kept as a matter of law. Well, we just found out about two days ago, three days ago, that they're missing seven hours and 37 minutes. It's wild. Obviously, it has written all over itself. Intentional. Intentional. And... Uh, this is going to be part of a court proceeding where Trump cannot win, which is his habit anyhow of not being able to win in these court proceedings. All right. Big news today. Big news. The Food and Drug Administration says new booster shots coming out that must are, are required for certain people, certain age groups, and so forth. If you've had two shots... 
you've had a booster shot, you now will be available to you an additional booster shot. So now we'll have four shots total, two regular, two boosters. The requirements, the eligibility levels are for people over 50 years of age, people over 50 years of age, and those who are immune, immune comprised, immune, I'm sorry, immunized, immune, immune compromised, sometimes I can't pronounce the word, immune compromised, uh, and uh, this is good. I'm 86, I'm going to get another shot. And the shots are will be available, okay, probably beginning next week. You gotta wait you gotta be four months since your last booster shot. Just so happens my anniversary day for four months for my booster shot was two days ago on March twenty seventh. So I'm looking forward to having it. Uh I'm a believer. That's all I can tell you. I'm a believer. Uh I'm gonna do what they tell me to do. And hope that it works. Uh, that's all I can say. But it's a good thing, my friends. We're not going to get it. And you know those age factors will diminish as time goes on. So 50 will become 40 and things like that. Joe Manchin, Democratic hero. More Republican hero. They love him on the other side of the aisle. Uh, this guy's horrible. This guy is terrible. Uh I, I, I don't think he's all there. I say this with all due respect, because his excuses, his reasons for doing things are bullshit. They're minimal. He, he hurts people by his decisions. He doesn't help them. One of the reasons being he's a, a deep, rich, filthy millionaire, maybe billionaire, uh, supported strongly by corporations, so he likes their tax ideas, uh, claims He's got to be concerned about West Virginia's coal industry, which today is 10% of, it, of what it was 10 years ago. Uh, it's a diminishing return thing. Uh, so that's the story. Now, Biden came out with a new tax proposal last week, and his suggestion is, because we've got to increase taxes, and he came out with a plan. Biden came out with a plan. For a tax on millionaires and billionaires. A tax on millionaires and billionaires. Well, for most of us, we don't care. Tax them. I've been saying for years that this country is run on the tax dollars of the middle class. Not of the rich, because the rich don't pay taxes. they got the finest tax lawyers in the country. They pay them a ton of money, and in return, the tax lawyers save them tons of money. Laws are passed in Washington because the rich, filthy, well-heeled tax lobbyists have access to the people in Congress who pass the laws and get the laws passed that help millionaires and billionaires. So here's the story. He said... Plan. The plan was a simple one by Biden. He wanted a 20% minimum tax rate on households worth $100 million or more. Okay? That isn't bad. All right, that doesn't seem bad. 20% minimum tax uh, rate. However, this would include, okay, the accruing value of unsold investments. Which means what? It means that if you buy a stock and the stock's gone up 
$100,000 and places overall your assets in the million-plus or one billion plus category, you're going to be taxed on the increased value of that stock. Real estate, all of a sudden a piece of real estate shoots up. Shoots up. You're going to be taxed on the increased value, even though you have not sold the land, the property, the stock, or whatever the investment was. Now Manchin says, hey, that isn't fair, okay? Because we're taxing the wealthiest on money they don't have because they haven't sold. Normally, we wait till somebody sells something, and then it's a capital gains tax, and they pay it at that time. But until they sell it, what do you do? And I'm also sitting here wondering, suppose I have something that increases in value a half a million dollars, uh, which makes my overall tax put me into a bracket of $2 billion. I've got to pay taxes on that, on that, what did I say, half a million dollars increase. But suppose next year it falls, okay, below a half a million. Now the government owes me money, so I get a credit based on the previous year's tax return. Are the tax lawyers and the CPAs going to make a ton of money on this? Are the law cases coming out of this going to be fantastic? Such confusion. I agree with Joe Manchin. I think it's wrong to tax people for the profit. That's what it is. They have not yet realized. When they sell it, God bless that's when you, 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 you charge them and make them pay the increased tax. I never thought I would agree with Joe Manchin. But on this particular item, I do for the reason reasons I have given you. Let's talk about spring break. What a disaster. Last week it was Miami, Florida. Uh, let's see. Thursday was St. Patrick's Day. Uh, the college kids started coming down Thursday. It was a big day and evening in my, on Miami Beach, uh, and of course they partied Friday. And now we're into the, we're into Friday night and we're into Saturday, and things got out of hand. Uh, it became a rampage. Uh, it became almost uncontrollable. Uh, there were five shootings. Uh, it just everything went crazy. Everything went crazy. So the mayor said, no more. We're not going to put up with this crap. Uh, number one, there's a curfew. From midnight to 6 in the morning, no one on the streets. And they specified what streets. You want to know something? There was nobody on the streets the next night or any night since. Absolutely amazing. The streets were bare and dead. I can visualize them. I know all these streets. Uh, and the other thing was, if you were buying alcohol to drink off premises, what do I mean? You were buying it at a bar or in a liquor store or in a grocery market to take out to drink, you could not buy such liquors after 6 in the evening. That was it. And this was supposedly to control what was going on, and it has controlled it in Miami Beach. Uh, the interesting thing is, Fort Lauderdale is less than 50 miles away. They've got spring breakers. They have next to no trouble. Now, I'm wondering why. Uh, I'm wondering why. One, one city, horrible. The, the other one, Pumbaya. Uh, and I think it has to do with discipline, good manners, and so forth. But 
there'll be studies done over the next several months to see why the two cities were different. And I think the picture would, will be clear. Now comes Panama City this weekend. Hey, <laughs> up in northern Florida. Uh, over the weekend, are you ready for this? Panama City, and it's not that big. Panama City, 78 arrests, 75 guns confiscated. There was some shooting. One person was hit. Not fatal, alive, but, but struck by a bullet. They had pictures on the Internet of the guns laid out. You don't know how many AR-15s were laying there. These are war guns. These kids went to Panama City on spring break with war guns. What the hell are they going to do? Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand how they party this way. Uh, I would want to look at the beautiful girls and become friends with one or two of them and party for the weekend. I wouldn't want to bring a gun and get involved in the fight, whether it's male, female, or what have you. Uh, so they've got problems up there, and a couple of things are interesting. The, the government calls the, the police authorities. These, these are troublemakers, quote-unquote, and they, they, they call the event, these are the kids themselves, Panamanic, P-A-N-A-M-A-N-I-A-C, Panamanic. Right. Uh, now, the interesting part of all this, and stay with me, this is the most interesting part, is that the authorities uh, have established that the kids raising hell, the guns and all that crap, was being orchestrated, orchestrated, nice word, by specific, okay, influences online. In other words, the kids had their cell phones, they knew where to go on the cell phone and said, do this next, do this, do that. Things are pretty screwed up in this country. Very screwed up. Okay, Monday. Monday, a federal judge. His name, David Carter, came out with an interesting decision. Uh, and it was in a case involving Donald Trump, the president, and uh, his chief of st- and a lawyer by the name of, oh, what the hell is his name? I've got a mental block. Uh, begins with an E. Anyhow, he was uh, very active in the... Uh, planning of how to uh, destroy the election and get Trump uh, elected. All right, the judge ruled, and this is the first time a judge has spoken like this. And this is based on the affidavit saying whether uh, certain documents had to be turned over to the January 6th group or not. The judge wrote, and I quote, that it was that President Trump, more likely than not, hear me, more likely than not, attempted to illegally obstruct Congress, illegally obstruct Congress, based on the evidence. Uh, And what does that mean? They've got records that they are not, Trump and his associate are not producing to the January 6th committee. And you got to do it because, as the good judge wrote, in the words of William Gladstone, who wrote the greatest legal dictionary ever, he said, justice delayed is justice denied. So, my good friends, he was inferring, stop screwing around and turn over the records because it looks as if the president may and his associate may have broken the law. There are two federal statutes involved, and he spelled them out that would require these documents to be transferred 
to the January 6th committee. Uh, presidential uh, uh, privilege does not apply. Uh, you can't keep them. Trump was saying, oh, these are my records. Well, the law says the present president has to say whether well, it's the former president's records. And Biden said they're not his records. Okay? They're mine and the people's. He can't, he can't keep them. He's got to pass them on. And his associate also. Uh, so that's what's going on over there, and this is going to be very, very interesting because these records got to have a hell of a lot in them for them to be have been fought very strenuously up to this point, and I'm sure it will be fought even harder from this point forward till there is some sort of final resolution. All of the paperwork that the January 6th committee is seeking has to do with the joint session of Congress on January 6th, 2021. All right. Now, Judge Jackson, this poor woman, uh, she got the hell knocked out of her. She's the nominee, uh, the woman of color, black judge, former judge, nominated by Biden to the Supreme Court. And the Republicans had said, don't worry, we're, this is going to be a civil hearing before the Judiciary Committee. It was hell broken loose. Any of you saw it? Such uncivility. I couldn't believe it. Uh, anyhow, Charles Bloom, in a recent article, I think it was yesterday, in the Washington Post, okay, uh, Ray Judge Jackson noted that Senate Judicial Committee hearings for Supreme Court nominees have, and I quote, long drifted into the uh, realm of inconsequential theater. Inconsequential theater. Think about what you saw for three days, how they laid on this woman, they defecated upon her, they did everything they could, uh, certain members of the committee. And she came out looking good. Strong woman, intelligent woman. Uh, but it, it, it was a bullshit hearing. These hearings, for the, for the past 15, 20 years, have not been right. They don't test the acumen, the intelligence of the candidate. They come up with stupid things to argue about. So that's the story there. The Oscars. <clears throat> I love watching the Oscars. Uh, I've always loved watching the Oscars. I loved going to the movies when I was three and four years old. I can remember going to the movies. We went to the movies as a kid probably starting when I was four or five. Every Saturday we went to the movies. All the kids went to the movies Saturday afternoon. I think it cost two cents or three cents. All right. This, it was packed. They had two films. Uh, they had a cartoon, and they had a serial. And the shows. We used to sit in the aisle. There were so many people. And that was what it cost, two cents or three cents. So we went there. Then I used to go for years with my mother on Wednesday nights because we had neighborhood movies. There weren't just a few big movies here and there. We, these were neighborhood movies. Every five, six blocks, there was a small theater. Uh, they used to have dish night. And all the women in the neighborhood would go and get a dish because they went to see the movie. And when they brought somebody else in the family like me, my mother got two dishes. And I'd see movies there. So movies were everything. I don't see them anymore, though, uh, because I've got television <laughs> And, of course, with the pandemic, who wanted to sit in the theater? But uh, I've got television. I've become accustomed over the years to watching an older movie. You have movies six months a year old now on television. It, it, you can wait. Anyhow, the Oscars. I thought these, this was the best Oscar uh, evening. 
uh, Academy Award evening I have seen in my lifetime. Uh, one embarrassing situation, Will Smith got the award for, uh, uh, he got the, uh, the Academy Award for Best Actor uh, in a particular movie. Uh, and there's a little disturbance between he and Chris Rock. Uh, Chris Rock is a comedian. He says funny things. This was a very funny show, by the way. The entire three and a half hours were humor. I laughed a lot. Maybe that's why I enjoyed the show Sunday evening. Uh, but Chris Rock was saying, ah, there you are, Will Smith, making an Oscar tonight. He did this well with the candidates. And Will Smith has a beautiful wife, magnificent-looking woman. Dress was gorgeous. She's bald. Well, I want to say this, too. I'd say at least 10 to 15% of the women there that night were bald. They shaved their heads now. This must be a new thing with the ladies. Well, I didn't know. I don't know if Chris Rock knew. She has a problem. She's been bald for years because of a disease, not because she wants to look that way, called alopecia, A-L-O-P-E-C-I-A. And he mentioned that she looked like G.I. Jane. Uh, you know, women went into the service and they wanted to go with the, the, the super-duper commando green beret types. They got their heads shaved bald. And, Will, and Smith smiled. He laughed. And then all of a sudden, he's running up to the stage, 30, 40 feet onto the stage, and he slapped Chris Rock so hard that if he had hit him with his fist, Chris Rock would be getting a new set of teeth the next morning, okay, yesterday morning. And Chris Rock looked at him in surprise, took it like a gentleman, and made a joke out of it, a light joke, and kept talking. The whole thing looked strange. Now, Smith goes back to his seat, and he's yelling at Chris Rock, twice saying fucking over international television, not even national television. Uh, he's using the word fucking. Uh, and uh, then when he, 40 minutes later, it was announced he would get the award as best actor, he goes up on the stage and he's crying. And he's crying not because I won, he said, but because I'm at this place in my life where I feel I must do good for everyone. Now, whether he was trying to make an inference on that with regard to his protecting his wife, who he thought was hurt because of her hair or what, I don't know. But he cried and he cried. And everybody gave him a tremendous applause. I don't think anyone saw connected to a, a Chris Rock till the next day. Now this thing's gotten out of hand totally. Uh, Smith was wrong. Now they're they're having an investigation, the, the theater organization, the movie industry. The police are looking at the thing. Chris Rock refuses to prosecute. Uh, drop it, man. There are a lot of more important things Smith did wrong. He should. He's apologized over the internet. It was a lousy apology to Chris Rock. He just he should say, "Black, go see the guy. Hello, how are you? Here's my hand. I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong." I, I, I just misread the whole thing. Period. End it. But he's not doing it, and that's it. Now, let me tell you some nice things about the show. It was, they celebrated the 50th anniversary of The Godfather, and Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were there. Uh, and I just got to tell you something. It was, you know, I've gotten old. I'm 86. I don't look like I looked 10 years ago. Forget 50 years ago. Al Pacino looked terrible. He got old. See, when you haven't seen people in movies for a long time, and all of a sudden you see them, they look like they got old. 
He's short and he's hunched over. He's got, you know, like I, I've lost three and a half inches. And his hair is long. And he didn't say much. I really felt sorry for him. Now there's Robert De Niro. Same age, probably. These guys are in their 70s to mid-80s. He looked terrific. He spoke well. He was thin. He was dressed in a tuxedo. Great head of white hair. Looked fantastic. Uh, some people age. The sorriest one I saw, I felt sorry for Pacino. It didn't bother him. Was Lisa Minnelli. Uh, Lady Gaga came out with her to do a presentation. This Lady Gaga is a class lady, by the way. Uh, I was shocked. Not only did Lisa look old, she was in a wheelchair. <laughs> and Lady Gaga's pushing her. And Lisa keeps coming up with comments that have nothing to do with what's going on. And Lady Gaga's, you know, leaning over and quietly saying, don't worry, Lisa, I got this. So Lady Gaga looked good. Poor Lisa, I felt sorry for her. She got old. It's a tough life, my friends. Okay, that's the show for this week. Hope you enjoyed. God bless all of you. I love doing this show. My numbers keep going up. Uh, it's exciting. It's thrilling for me. I've got nothing better to do. Anyhow, thank you again for joining me, and good night.